Kintsugi. Have you ever heard of it? It is the Japanese art of taking what was broken and repairing it. They take broken ceramics or vases and they repair them using 18 karat liquid gold, liquid silver, or lacquer dusted with powdered gold. So when they mend the broken vessel and bring the pieces together again with this gold, with this technique, they make the vessel worth more than it was before it was broken. Hello and welcome to this first episode of my new podcast, Broken Vessels Mended by God. My name is Ruth Douthit and I am a teacher of the Bible. I've been teaching Bible study now since 2008 and I thoroughly enjoy it. It is one of my spiritual gifts. So welcome. In this podcast, we will look at several books of the Bible. I will have special guests on to talk about their favorite books about the Bible and just have general conversations about what God is doing in our lives. So I hope that you enjoy this. This podcast is for you as a way of encouraging you through difficult times, maintaining that hope when times are great, and sharing stories with each other so that we can maintain that motivation and inspiration that God wants us to have at all times. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we walk through John chapter 4, The Woman at the Well. Now, I know you're probably familiar with this very famous story of the Samaritan woman when she encounters Jesus. And I've been reading the Bible since I was a kid, and I did a lot of studying in high school. And I've read this chapter many, many times, too many times to count. So I thought I knew everything about this story as a longtime believer. And I'm sure you have read it too, and probably think you've heard everything about this story too. Well, back in around 2004, I watched the movie, The Gospel of John. And as I sat in my living room watching this wonderful show, the woman at the well story came. In this movie, they used the words of John chapter four only. They didn't add to the script, they didn't add to the words, nor did they take away, so they only used the words found in John chapter four. So when I saw the part about Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, I sat up because it's one of my favorite stories and I really paid attention. And as I watched the scenes on the screen, the Lord really moved me because I saw it in a different light now that I was older at that time. I was in my 30s. I was a mom and wife. And it just really moved me as I realized that I am the woman at the well talking with Jesus. I am a broken woman, a broken vessel who has been mended by God. And I'll share a little bit about my story later on. But when Jesus reveals himself to this woman, he changed her forever. And that's why I felt compelled by God to do a Bible study about the woman at the well. So welcome aboard. For this study, you'll need your Bible open before you to John chapter 4, because we also look up some other verses too. So let's get started on this amazing journey through John chapter 4. I'm thrilled that you're joining me on this journey of discovery into the early ministry of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that you will be blessed, as blessed, by studying and reading God's Word as I have been over the years. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. As with many stories in the Bible, the story of the woman at the well is a story of redemption. It is the story of how Jesus chose to reveal himself to one woman. And like all good authors do, he chose the setting, the time, and the characters of this story. Now I'm a writer in uh, many published books and I teach writing as well. So, and I just uh, released a new episode on my other podcast, A Writer's Day, about the setting of a story. So it intrigued me as I started to do more research on the setting of this very famous story in Samaria. Some of you out there listening have visited this region and know very distinctly what each piece of the puzzle means. I would love for you to send me a comment or an email about your experience there. I've never been to Samaria where this uh, story occurred, so I'd love to hear your insights. This story is also where Jesus reveals the Holy Spirit as the living water and himself as Messiah. In no other gospel does he mention himself as Messiah. So John chapter 4 is very special indeed. What I love most about this portion of scripture is how contemporary it is. There are so many practical applications found in these few verses about the early days of Christ's ministry that we can apply to our lives today, right now. And think about everything that's going on in the world. We need this now more than ever. What we are going to look at during this study will be life-changing for you. It was for me. It will make you stop and think about your purpose in Christ Jesus. It will make you stop and think about who Christ Jesus really is, the meaning of God's Word, and how to apply God's Word to your life. Remember who you are in Christ, a broken vessel repaired by Christ and more precious now than ever before. That's the reason I call this podcast Broken Vessels Mended by God. Now in this study, Together, we will look at the significance of the well where Jesus rested. In writing, the setting of the story is most important. God, of course, is the greatest author of them all, and we will see how important the setting of this story truly is. We will look at the woman, who she was, and why Jesus spoke to her. And we will look at the wanderer and the way Jesus revealed himself to the woman as the Messiah. We will look at the meaning of the water and why Jesus uses water as an analogy here. And we will look at the water pot and its meaning in this portion of scripture. Lastly, we will look at the witness of the woman and how God used her to bring others to Jesus. Isn't that our purpose here on earth? As you can see, there is so much to learn in this small section of the Bible, yet it connects to so many other parts of Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. It's amazing, isn't it? That's how God's Word is. Each chapter, each verse, they're like threads in this amazing tapestry in God's story of redemption. I hope you enjoy this study as much as I have enjoyed writing it. Afterwards, I hope you are eager to share what you have learned with other women, women who may be broken vessels in need of mending. I truly believe that is why the Lord laid it upon my heart to write this study so many years ago. Lesson 1 
When you get a chance, Google the Euphrates and Tigris rivers, which run through Iraq today. Long ago, these two rivers ran through the Garden of Eden. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? The Lord preserved these rivers over the years. But look at the lands around the rivers and try to imagine what the land looked like back then when the world was without sin. Just imagine how lush and green and beautiful it was. Welcome to this study. I am so glad you could join me as we venture deeper into God's Word and learn about the living water, Jesus Christ. Together we're going to look at scriptures, discuss them, and then I will also include a life application segment which shows how we can apply what we've learned to our daily lives. In lesson one, we will look at the Samaritan woman at the well found in John 4, but we will also look at what scripture says about water. The Hebrew word for water is mayim, and it means literally water. But in Genesis 2.10, the word used here is shaka, and it means irrigation or cause to drink, similar to a river. Water is found prominently throughout scripture, and it is used in several ways for moistening, for irrigation, for drinking, and for washing. It is used to divide lands, for growing crops, for protection, and as a symbol for the bitterness of sin. Water is also used as a symbol for God's blessings and also for his wrath. Open your Bible and read Psalm 65, 9, Lamentations 1, 16, Matthew 3, 11, and John 5, 2 through 3. How is water mentioned in these verses? During this study, we will see how God used water in his word for many reasons, but mostly he used water to bring us to see his son Jesus as he really is. Jesus chose to meet the Samaritan woman for a reason. We will learn what that reason is and how it affects our lives today. We will look at what rivers mean in the Bible and what the sea means as well. And we will study what Jesus meant when he called himself the living water and how that title means something to us today. So let's begin. Father God, please be with us as we study your word, speak to us in new and exciting ways, and open our eyes to your precepts. In Jesus' name, amen. A long time ago, I read a new book that came out titled The God Delusion by a biologist named Richard Dawkins. Today, it is very well known, and he is a renowned atheist who seeks to persuade people not to worship the God of the Bible or any other God. You may wonder why I, as a Christian, would read such a book. Well, it is because I have spent some time uh, debating with atheists in the past, and I'm familiar with their arguments. I wanted to see if this man had come up with anything new to add to the argument, and, well, he didn't. His argument against God is exactly the same as other arguments I have heard from atheists for many years. And it kind of made me laugh, but also it made me sad because this author doesn't just deny God, but he actually hates the God of the Bible, a God he obviously has never met. In his book, he labels God as unjust, hateful, vindictive, malevolent, jealous, and misogynistic. And for those of us who know God, we can see that this atheist writer has never met the God of the Bible at all. For if he did know the God of the Bible, he would know that God is just, loving, merciful, gracious, forgiving, and above all, not a misogynist. The story of the woman of the well proves this. The story of the woman of the well is a story of redemption not just of her, but all of us. It is the story of how Jesus chose to reveal himself to a woman. He chose the place, the time, and the person. 
This story is also where Jesus reveals the Holy Spirit as the living water and himself as Messiah. Now that's a very important title, very significant to the Jewish person. And Jesus chose to meet and redeem a woman of ill repute during a time in history when women were considered chattel. He chose her. He chose her. That doesn't sound very misogynistic now, does it? So let's read John 4 verses 1 through 3. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. We have here at the beginning of our story the setting, Judea. In John 3, we learn that Jesus is teaching in Jerusalem about being born of the Spirit to Nicodemus. He also taught that he is the light and about coming to the light so evil deeds can be exposed. John the Baptist is also exalting Christ far above himself. And chapter 3 concludes with John saying, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So chapter 4 leads in with how the Pharisees, who thought their problems were over once John was dealt with, now must deal with Jesus because here we see that his disciples were also baptizing. Jesus therefore decides to leave and head for Samaria. Notice that it is Jesus who makes disciples. Disciples of Christ are not born. We are transformed. We are created in Christ. Please read Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And how does it connect with what Jesus said in John 3? Many years ago, people, were, people all over the world were enthralled with the Harry Potter books, and they still are today. Now, back then, I hadn't read them, so I decided to watch the movies first. And I enjoyed the movies, so then I read the books. And since I am a fan, a big fan, a writer of fantasy adventure stories, I truly enjoyed reading the Harry Potter books. But one thing about the storyline has always bothered me. In the Harry Potter books, both good and evil characters use witchcraft or magic to do their deeds without any consequences or responsibility. And one reviewer of the books, who is an economist, said that the economy of Harry Potter books was way off. There seems to be no payment due for the use of magical means. Nothing is owed or taken away when the characters use their magic. Therefore, there is no personal responsibility or cost involved. To this economist and reviewer, this was not a lesson she wanted to teach her children. And that's why these books are fiction. We all know that in life, there is a cost, a consequence for all our actions. As the Samaritan woman is about to learn, there is always a consequence or cost to sin. We will look deeper into what sin she had committed and what consequences she suffered very soon. In John 4, 4, it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now this was a time in history where Samaria was made up of what was considered mongrel Jewish people. They knew some Jewish law and had mixed it with pagan practices to form their own religion. So these people were considered unclean. And many Jewish people did all they could to avoid entering into Samaria. 
But here we see that Jesus needed to go through Samaria in order to complete his journey. He had to do the will of the Father. In John 5.30, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus, being God, could have parted the Jordan River again and easily walked through it to avoid passing through Samaria. But he needed to enter into it. He had to do the will of God. We read in Jonah chapter 1 that Jonah was supposed to do the will of God, but didn't. So what did that reveal about his character? Despite Jonah's disobedience, God still brought believers to Nineveh to himself. Jesus was a better prophet because he always obeyed God's word. Life Application It is always in our best interest to obey God's word at all times. It is in our best interest to know the character of God. When he tells us to go, then we go and obey. As Jesus did, we are to do. Please read and explain how Jesus did the will of God in the following verses. Let's take a look. In John 5, 22 through 24, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And in John 8:31 it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. In John 9:39 it says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And in John 14:15 Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And in John 14, 23-24, it says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And in 1 John three sixteen, it says, By this we know love, that he lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We can apply all that we have learned by remembering to do God's will ahead of our own. We are to be like Jesus who had to go through Samaria, because it was God's will. So take time to reflect what is God's will for your life. To what has he called you? We can be like Jonah, who chose to run away from God's will because of his pride. He didn't want the Ninevites to have repentance. What about you? Are you holding back from doing God's will because of pride or fear or anger? It is convicting to read about Jonah and compare him to the perfect obedience to Jesus, isn't it? But we read about these two men in order to learn from their examples. If we are convicted of our sin, that's a good thing. Being convicted of our sin means we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We repent. If we harbor any ill will toward anyone, we have to repent. If we are in obedience to God, we have to repent. Otherwise, we are in disobedience to God. A repentant heart is what pleases God. 
In Acts 3.19 it says, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Praise God. We are not left here without a word from our Creator. He has given us new life, but He also gave us His words. So we are without excuse. As we study here in John 4, we will begin to see just how Jesus meets with a sinner. He confronts her sin, reveals himself to a sinner, and then transforms her to use her for his glory. Pray today that Jesus will do this to you as well. Until next time, what did you learn about Jesus this week that comforted you or maybe challenged you? In our next episode, we're going to begin to look deeper into who this wanderer is and who the woman is and what is this well where they meet. Until then, keep reading God's word, preparing your heart, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God bless.